Hey everybody and welcome back to Blades for Days where we're going to be talking about swords and sword fighting and ladies with swords. I'm your host Jordan and joining me today is the big boss of the School of the Sword, events organiser behind such events as By the Sword, Swords of Spring, Swords of Winter, Wessex League and many more. Fran Laquata. Hey Fran. Hello. How you doing? I'm good, you alright? Yeah, yeah, really well. I uh, I just I just finished a wrap that Melissa made for me, and it was way spicier than I was expecting. So, oh, not brand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When you said the word wrap, I had all the permutations of the word wrap going through my head. You're like, yeah, I've just finished a wrap. Uh, oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a really uh, spicy wrap, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the first one I thought was like, I've just wrapped something up, like, a, yeah, I've just finished another video or something like yeah, that. So I was like, yeah, hey, what's no, I've been, been really bad at that. I've, <laughs> I can barely speak, you know? No, no, um, you're fine. It's just me trying to sort of think wrap. No, no, no. It's, it, <laughs> when I'm teaching my classes, um, the students, my students often take the piss out of me because uh, I'm like, okay, you know, we're going to warm up our... Uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the arm endings. Yeah. The arm ankles, you know? <laughs> um, so just, yeah, it takes me like a quarter of an hour just to get through the, the warm up because I'm trying to remember the names of limbs and, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, so, how have you been? How have your classes been? Because I've seen some of the stuff that you've been putting online with you're doing, you've been doing classes in the park. Um, yeah. Lockdown. Um, well, we didn't do any online stuff. Uh, I, I, I think I personally didn't feel that I'm up to it. I don't feel like I've, I, I, I mean, I could just throw myself into it and see what happens. But I, I didn't feel like I've got enough experience of teaching online stuff. And I hadn't hadn't taken the time to sort of come up with classes. So I was I thought, well, we'll, we'll just leave it until we can. Uh, have physical classes again and then when uh when it was allowed to meet up in groups of six back in june uh that's what we did so we were meeting up in the park and the people that i wanted to focus on the most were my my beginners who started back in january and they were uh just as uh lockdown hit they were on the cusp of you know like graduating to be able to play with the big kids so i felt really sorry for them and i was like come yeah. on let's let's pick up from where we left off. So they had a, a hiatus and and I was really blown away by how well they had retained the information. Um, that, you know, they've been practicing in their own time. They hadn't had much skill fade at all. Um, because as you know, like when you start starting to learn a martial art, it's at the beginning, like that it's, that's when it's hard to um, get things to stick. Yeah, uh, because you've got you've got literally a baseline of nothing, uh, and um, you know a week away from class is a long time when all you know is an hour's of worth of lesson. Yeah, that's just nothing to go from. So uh, I, I always kind of emphasize for those guys, it's you know practice, 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 and, and you know I nag and nag and nag, but please, please do it. And they they took it on board and they took it upon themselves and they did loads of practice. And I'm really pleased to say that. Uh, even though we had to do like 
socially distanced classes in the park and not in the way that I would have liked to do it, how we regularly do it, all, almost all of them are graduated now. And uh, I know most schools, I don't know about yours, but most schools have a kind of like beginner course and then you sort of check people out, make sure they're safe to play with the other people and they're not going to break anyone or themselves. Um, we, we, we have that in our school, a sort of formal kind of test. I guess you call it like grading. Um, but I'm really pleased to say that I've just got two more people too I'm going to test today and then they're all done. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's what we're, we're really pleased about. Um, and then on Saturdays, we went around, well, slightly after I started uh, getting my, my newbies back into the fold, um, all the more experienced people were like, oh, I miss, I miss fencing. And so we started to organise a socially distanced group of six sparring. And, and then uh, I asked my instructors, would any of you be happy to uh, teach and I don't want to put too much pressure on you, you lot, because I know, you know, we've all got lives and it's lockdown and everyone's really feeling the pressure because in the in the past, the way we've we've organised our school is uh, in each instructor will teach a module like a six week block. And then so they all get sort of um, time to be a student as well as an instructor. They're not just continuously burning themselves out. Um, so what we did was we just got uh, three instructors, Lynette, Mark and Apollon on rotation. They're just teaching mini classes like let's just dive into this kind of thing mm. um, rather than a six week course of something. So it's just like a drop in and try something out. Um, and they've been doing that really well and they've been very enthusiastic about it as well. I was very careful not to try and give them too much. And, it, and I'm like the sort of supply teacher, so if any of them can't make it, yeah. <laughs> I come in and write my name on the blackboard. Um, but yeah, that's what we've been up to. That's cool. How many teachers have you got? In my branch, uh, we've got, oh, let's see. We've got Lynette, me, Lizzie, Apollon, Mark, uh, we got we've got Caston um so yeah we got six sort of senior and we've got six instructors and we have a kind of program of when you get when you've done uh 200 hours or you get to a sort of around 200 hours of lesson time we don't count sparring time but actual time in class learning stuff um which is approximately two to three years we then ask you, you don't have to, it's not obligatory, if you would like to become an assistant instructor and you spend a bit of time shadowing the uh, more experienced folks. And um, so we've got, a, we've got around, uh, I think we've got something like eight uh, assistant instructors. So the idea is that when they've done a, a, a certain amount of shadowing, um, they can then, and then when they're ready to take their next sort of formal test, then they're sort of then they've um, then they're qualified to become instructors themselves. So people are sort of gradually moving up the the, the pyramid kind of thing, uh, becoming assistant and then instructors themselves. Um, but overall, I think in the three uh, chapters, Oxford, Reading, and Godalming, I think we've got something like twenty instructors. That's cool. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah that's excellent. Um, and I think I think that's good. The the time 
you know, the time that it's taking, um, that you have that 200 hour sort wow. of uh, threshold because I've been, I didn't stay with them very long, but you know, I've, I've been doing martial arts uh, my whole life and I've gone okay. to different schools and it's like, okay, we've got a grading in two weeks. And then the week after that, we've got another grading and it's like, what? No. Um, you know, <laughs> and, um, I, in that case, they're just trying to sort of be money-making mach machines and that's yeah. like a big problem in the martial arts community. But I think having that kind of like, um, once you, you know, once you're around for a few years, then doing it and then giving people the options so that you're not necessarily square pegging anybody. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because I had a friend, uh, Mariotto um, in Italy, which uh, for anybody who, who doesn't, his name was Mario, but Mariotto means well, like little too. Mario. Yeah, because yeah. there were so many Mario. Um, Mariottino. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he was ace. He was like one of the best um, fences I've ever um sort of cross swords with um and um he's he was a little dude and he gave me one of the worst beatings of my life you know and um yeah he, like i said to him are you not interested in being an instructor and he's like he was he was very honest about it and he was like no i'm here for my own glory and i was like yeah fair enough okay <laughs> um, <so laughs> yeah um, but he was honest about it, and I'm like, no, no yeah, that's that's yeah. grand. Um, he was good enough that he could have been an instructor, and he was like, he was genuinely a humble guy. Like he could have been, you know, yeah. like I think he would have been a good instructor. He just wasn't interested in it. So I think, yeah, definitely, kind of giving people that option um, uh, is is good. What we um, say to people is because because the school like. It, we don't take a wage we're all we all just do it for love it's it's completely voluntary um mm. so what, what we say to people is like when you get to sort of like 200 hours obviously the school's given you a lot and you've put a lot in and the idea is like as you, you know over time you, you're being an instructor is like giving back kind of thing it's like you know you're giving your time uh to the school uh, but it's also like that thing Keith Farrell said, you know, you know, you're not teaching students, you're teaching teachers kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you you want to make everyone in the school the best sparring partner that you could ever have, basically. Uh, but as we say, like, you know, not everyone wants to be an instructor or feels like they have it in them to be an instructor. And I know I certainly never felt that way. It was like, you know, we've all had it kind of thrust upon us, like a lot of us just sort of end up in that position. Um, but look, like I've had a couple of students in the past who said, um, I don't want to become an instructor, but I want to serve the school in some way. I'll, I'll, they'll do something like, you know, do some administration stuff. They'll do some promotional things. They'll, they'll come and help it in any sort of other way they can, getting us venues, or putting in a good word for us, um, you know, just spreading the word and, and just helping out in that way. And it's, it's, it's great when you kind of, when you've had someone with you that long and you don't really have to ask them to do stuff they just they want to do it kind of thing because you know they're they're just like a part of the community kind of thing but yeah it's being an instructor is not I, I i try and say to people you know being an instructor is not everyone's path and you shouldn't feel that you've let yourself down or let anyone else down if that's not something that you feel inclined to do yeah, one hundred percent. It's the same with um, <clears throat> it's the same with being a competitor. 
you know, for some people, they go to their HEMA club, their HEMA school, um, because, you know, they enjoy the camaraderie, they enjoy the exercise, they enjoy the, the sparring, but they don't necessarily then want to go to uh, competitions and things like that. So, yeah. yeah, same with being an instructor. For you, the moment you stop enjoying it, I think that's a problem. Uh, yeah. And I think that, because I also do reenactment, um, and the amount of people, because uh, I'm part of the, the Viking Society, like that's literally what it's called. It's the, the um, yeah, I know. it's Beardy Weirdies Club. Yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and like my beard is tame by comparison to like, you know, a lot of the guys there. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, 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 I've done that. But the, the amount of people, it's a huge... Uh, society but the amount of people that i know that just hate doing it and yet they do it like you know year after hate, year month after month hate doing what the, the, they hate doing their hobby their reenactment because they've taken on the, you know a role there you know they become like an authenticity officer right oh i see uh, or you know they become a training officer or something and um and they're involved in so much politics and you know they see somebody wearing something and because it's like it's so ingrained into them now that that's like no that's an offense you can't do that there's oh, like no. about these little things and it's like you long ago stopped enjoying doing this why you keep like why do you keep doing it it's Just, only hatred that keeps me here exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, you know right. um, yeah exactly and i think you know for, for some of them they genuinely think like i'm the order in the chaos and all this mm, sort of stuff yeah like, no, you're not. just enjoy yourself it's it's a mm. hobby it's not a second job um and that's that's obviously not all of them it's like a you know i i say quite a few of them but it's it's actually a small minority but it sort of it sticks out sticks out in your mind obviously absolutely yeah of course because you're like why are you even here then Do well, you know i don't I mean? want to become like that oh god no no not ever and i mean <laughs> The, the thing with me is that, again, I I spent years going, you know, Melissa was going like, oh, why didn't you open up a, you know, why didn't you open up a club? Why didn't you open up a school? And I was like, nah, I'm not good enough. No, nah, I'm not good enough. Um, and like, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to either because I hate paperwork and administration stuff. I hate it. Um, luckily, Melissa's quite good at it. And a lot of the time when she sees me sweating and swearing and, you know, and kind of like biting my knuckles when I'm looking at paperwork, she's like, I'll help you with this bit. And I'm like, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, in that regard, we're a good team. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, you know, so I avoided it for ages because I didn't think I'd enjoy it so much. Um, but then oh. I started it and I absolutely love it. And it, in the same regards, um, for me, it's the students. Um, my students have given me so much. Um, you know, they're, they're the ones who do a lot of the promoting just by being kind of like great people and going out and saying, hey, do you want to be a part of this? And it's full of really nice, you know, it's full of nice folks. Absolutely um, nothing beats word of mouth. Oh, no, absolutely marketing. not. Like, yeah. the, like the genuine passion of human beings about something that they love is... Mm. is is the only thing I find that that was sort of well the main thing that drags people in. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and that's you know, um, that's something that I know you've discussed because you said that you didn't do um, online classes, and mm -hmm. yeah, I absolutely understand that 
I just didn't feel confident enough to do it. I, I, yeah, I'm not knocking online classes at all. I think they're brilliant. I just wouldn't yeah. even know where to start. And I was like, I will just leave that and uh, do the I mean, sort of physical classes when they're ready. I don't even know where you'd find the time anyway, because you were doing a lot of, you know, you're doing a lot of, um, I'm not sure what you'd call them, blogs. Well, the AMA, the Ask Me Anything interview yeah. with uh, a lot of female instructors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, stuff like that does take, it, people think that it's just that hour. Yeah, you know? it's the preparation as well, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the preparation. It's, it's getting in touch with people, um, working around their schedules a lot of the time um promotion because you can't just go okay i'm doing this thing uh yeah. who's who's watching because yeah. no one will watch that because they, yeah. they don't know what's happening um yeah and uh yeah so you know the amount i think people underestimate the amount of work that goes into that one hour because that's all they see mm-hmm. um so yeah i'd like to be honest um i think because you were doing that i wouldn't you know, I wouldn't expect you to necessarily be doing classes on top of that because it's a lot of work, you know? I was, I was in, lo- I was in the furlough for four months. It was wonderful. So I had four <laughs> months of no work and uh, the AMA came out of that because I was like, what do I do? Yeah. I, I, I'll just do this. Well, initially it came out because um, I had an event that was going to take place in mm. March and of course it didn't. And I had 11 instructors lined That's up. That's the Swords of Spring, isn't it? Uh, hmm? That was the Swords of Spring event. No, no, no. They were that, that, uh, this was by the sword itself. So it's oh, is like right, an okay. annual, annual women's uh, HEMA event, uh, HEMA, uh, women's non-binary folks event. And so that, that I had, you know, last year we had about, I think when Melissa came, it was there's something like 80 people showed up. It was, it was crazy. Um, but we, we had a lot of people and so we had a lot of instructors lined up and it was all you know everything was booked hotels were booked flights were booked and then then the lockdown hit and uh, it's like everyone's sort of in, like you know mood of just to, you know to put it mildly nosedived and I was like well what can I do uh from here so I uh said well I I can't be with the we we can't talk um take classes from these instructors let's talk to them instead let's 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 interview them but I got the idea because I was asked to do an AMA much like this one um with um a HEMA club in New York and I was like this is a good idea you can do it on Instagram I can do that on my Instagram I'm stealing this um and it was only meant to be one of those those uh Instagram live things literally you watch it it's a stream you watch it live and then it's gone and it's gone forever kind of thing uh, my first one was with Kimberly and it was gone sadly and then after no. that everyone was like but I missed it like you say if they don't know it's on yeah. uh, then they're not gonna sort of sit down and get cozy and ready for it so I had to sort of build the audience kind of thing uh, so I, I, I worked through my 11 instructors who were going to be in the thing and I was like well why should I stop so now I'm on interview number 44 this weekend um and it's it, and I, I just think, well, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> so there's, there's no reason to stop. If I've got the time and I still want to do it and there's still people to talk to, uh, I'm just going to keep talking to them. Yeah. No, I think they're great because um, I've tuned into quite a few of them. Um, I watched the one with uh, Jessica, Jessica Finley um, just because 
uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm an admirer of her work. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. I think they've been, yeah, they've been really good and really informative because uh, for me, lockdown, lockdown, lockdown wasn't great. The first month was because Melissa was also on furlough. And so we'd go out the back and we'd fence and yeah, uh, I watched those. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was great. It was fantastic fun. And then she went back to work, and I'm like, cool. Uh, I'm in the house by myself, and I was, you know, I was obviously taking lockdown quite seriously. But then I told some of my students about this. I started to get really weird. Like at one point, Melissa came home, and um, uh, I was sat in front of the TV, and I was just. I was just laughing about something. She comes home and she's like, what are you watching? And I was like, oh, nothing. The TV wasn't on. I was just sat on the sofa laughing at a joke that I'd made to myself. And she's like, oh, no, that's a red flag. You need to get out. You know? So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So lockdown for me, it was not great. So things like the AMAs that you were doing uh, and other like projects that I did with the Academy of Historical Fencing and other videos that were coming out, um, they were great because they sort of like kept me in, you know, the HEMA sphere in the HEMA world, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the AMAs are great. And I think they're good because obviously you're seen as kind of a, a champion for promoting uh, women and non-binary people in the HEMA community, which in, mm-hmm. in in the broader strokes of martial arts, not just in HEMA, but in, in martial arts in general, is kind of an uphill battle. Because yeah. It's largely seen as, you know, um, kind of a lad's club on the whole. Um, statistically, you see it it's generally marketed more towards men. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, for events like uh, By the Sword and Swords of Spring and things mm-hmm. like that, what what's involved? What's involved in organizing them? Or how did I come up with the sort of idea? Well, both. Well, it, it kind of it started uh, back in 2012 because uh, I, I was introduced to a lady called uh, Mariana Lopez, uh, otherwise known as Perica in the HEMA community from Mexico. Uh, she now lives in the USA with her husband. Um, and she started a group called Esfinges, uh, which was originally just a little group in, in Mexico because in Mexico she found there weren't any women doing HEMA. She's, it was just, she was like the only girl in her club kind of thing. So we started a little thing and then she, someone put her, uh, Ken Dietiker put her in touch with me and uh, and she said, well, why do I need to limit it to Mexico? Let's make it a worldwide group. And, you know, it was the early stages, you know, like you start a Facebook group and there's like a hundred of you and it's like, wow, look at us. And I think they're up to like something like 3000 members or something now, uh, maybe more, maybe more than that. But back in those early days when we started the group, um, we had, you know, we had big plans. We're going to, we're going to, beyond like a little Facebook group, we were going to have all these like campaigns and stuff. And we we, we did some great stuff. But I remember one of the very early projects that I wanted to do personally was an event just for women. Um, And I kind of like put it on the back burner for a few years. And I thought, we we were going to... 
we were originally going to do like multiple events around the world at the same time and like have like a sort of global celebration kind of thing but it didn't it was it was just too much to organize and life happened and university for her and things but anyway um I put it on the back burner and then I thought well I'll I'll just organize a little thing with just my friends and me like you know seven mates in a park uh, with our swords and we'll just whack each other and, and it'll be fun and then we go down the pub and it'll be as simple as that um but I started to sort of put it together um and the the interest and I sort of I started just asking friends you know online you know what do you think of this idea and, oh yeah I'd really like to go to that um I couldn't get uh, anyone around in the sort of the summertime when it's nice to play outside kind of thing and there were a lot more people than seven at this point and um I'd organized event I've, I'd organized a lot of events by that point I'd been doing um a lot of things for my school for the school of the sword I'd done um uh, the not Albion Cup Astolat with with, with uh, some other colleagues and I'd, I'd done a lot of things uh, so I, I knew how to run an event and I was like well I might as well make it into a proper event and then uh, Sam Swords did the logo for it I said I need a logo for a women's event can you do it and they did a, a picture of a woman wearing a, a Hema mask and gear and holding a sword and they wrote by the sword and I was like well, that's a good idea I like that so they named the event. Um, I had a really rubbish name for it. It was something like Women's Hema Weekender or something like that. So Sam, thankfully, thank you, Sam, uh, gave, <laughs> gave us this name. <laughs> and um, it, it was, it was, it kind of just grew itself. It's just like, you know, when you've got that vibe of just people want it to happen, not, and it's not just you, you know, it, it, you can feel the community behind you kind of thing. It's not like, yeah, I want to make this thing happen. And you have to really sell it to people. They were just like, yeah, absolutely. Sign me up, take my money kind of thing. And um, it was, uh, as I say, I'd organised a lot of events by then. And I kind of knew the ropes when it comes to organising either a tournament-based event or a workshop-based event. And this one was was both. Um, but the vibe of the actual event itself, like the first one we did in 2017, was nothing like anything I've ever experienced before. It was just so, I think the, the sort of overwhelming emotion that I was getting off people was just relief and relaxation. Yeah. It's like when you get home from a day at work and you can just take your shoes off and sit in your comfy chair. It was that kind of environment. It was like, ah, oh. it was like that kind of feeling. And, and there's people who just, uh, I'd never met before you know there were quite a lot of girls who'd come from far away on their own sometimes who, who left after the whole weekend like with you know six new best mates and they've stayed in touch ever since it was just a real bonding experience um so that was via the sword and I've uh this was a this would have been the fourth year but um of course it didn't happen so we've had to sort of skip this year and hopefully we're going to do it next year and as for swords of winter and uh, swords of spring those came about because all the lovely chaps in my life were like oh that's really cool you're doing that that's really cool i wish i could go and i was like sorry <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and i thought well how hard is it to just get a bunch of 
uh, instructors in a hall for an afternoon teaching workshop. It's, just, it's not that difficult, especially like I say, when you've got all that enthusiasm of, of the people mm. who want to do it. That's what spurs you on and that's what makes you want to do it. So it, putting it all together was not difficult. It's just getting a date, getting the availability from your instructors, um, in insurance obviously and uh, putting a program together and then saying to people right here it is because you've already got the audience you've already got um, all the people who went in previous years and their partners and their club mates because they because obviously they enjoyed themselves and, they, and they've been sort of enthusing about it and telling their mates so to to do a sort of slightly smaller scale one day event uh, for men and women um, was it was a lot was a lot easier than doing a three-day women's event with a lot more people um and it's become something that i'm very fond of like I, I started off just doing one in the in the spring and then i did another one in the winter so i i try and do two a year so i've got those two sort of satellite events and then the main one in in um in march uh, which is is the women and non-binary event but um going back to what you're saying about uh martial arts in general, not just historical European martial arts, being a very male dominated environment, very uh, marketed at men. Um, that was why that was why uh, I came up with the idea in the first place, because I just sort of sat back one day and I was like, flipping it, there's a lot of men in HEMA. Where are all the women at? Where are they? I can't be the only one. But obviously it, was, it, it didn't sort of strike me initially because my instructor was a woman um the founder of my school uh, was a woman who who I, I i then took over when she retired so it, i was sort of in an unusual position where i didn't really see this like very male kind of masculine dominated uh, thing obviously a lot of the other in, uh, students um were male but I, I didn't really sort of strike me at the time but i think if if all the instructors had been men as well i would have been a bit i might have been put off you know um yeah. So I kind of, when I, when I organised my first event, which was the International Rapier Seminar 2016, that is a uh, moving thing that, that a different country or city hosts each year. Uh, Rainier Van Noort um, originated that. So when the torch was passed to us and I organised that, I uh, started organizing the billing of the instructors and we had nine instructors and uh two of them were women and uh one of them was me and i remember at the time giving myself a little pat on the back and oh well done you've got some women on your billing <laughs> very good and looking back i was like that's rubbish that's absolutely dire that's like you know that's not good at, that's not good at all it should be 50 50 because uh i uh in my past life was a writer well I still aspire to be a writer and I used to go to a lot of conventions and uh, I remember at the time in sort of like around sort of early when was it like 2010 2011 when I used to go to a lot of writers conventions there was a bit of a hoo-ha at the time about parity gender parity on uh, on panels so when you go to like a convention like a comic con or something like that and you have panels with the actors or the writers talking about stuff a lot of the sort of fantasy and horror and sci-fi authors uh, started to put their foot down because these panels would almost all be all men or like they'd have a token woman and 
it's it's ridiculous you know because like you know we we make up half of the population um slightly more actually i think in fact um so it should be there's those things you know i'm not going to go on this panel unless there's unless there's you know proper representation so i sort of thought about that and i thought about my two women instructors on a on a billing of nine i was like oh, no that's not good enough and i made a promise to myself that i'm not going to organize an event that has less than gender parity so i will now only organize um events which are either all women or at least 50 percent instructors mm. It's, it's a principle of mine, not just because of like the obvious uh, demographical one of the fact that humans are, you know, there is a, a good sort of half and half of everyone, um, but also because it it affects who shows up. Yeah. It affects who turns up, and it affects how they feel about it as well. Um, yeah. I, I not, think not just the women but the the, the, the men as well it, it does affect the sort of general sort of vibe i find mm. uh, well i was going to say i think that's one of the advantages that melissa and i have is because we are a a couple yeah um you know we're very much a team uh the people who come to our school see that and i think that 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 sort of has you know that kind of thing trickles down Yes. I think it is an uphill battle, as I said, not just in HEMA, but in the martial arts community in general, because mm -hmm. you, you're not, it, it's not even sort of just the promotion, um, the fact that it's promoted to men today. It's the fact that you're kind of going back over decades of, you know, uh, of promoting martial arts um and having to sort of like reverse engineer it almost because mm -hmm. I, um, I was talking to a, f uh, a friend of mine who's a fight promoter for ufc and um, he was saying that they've almost achieved parity in uh you know um male and female um ufc promotion but the the challenges that they face are it, it's actually quite cynical the way that they promote female fighting in the UFC yeah. because um, part of uh, how they do it is through kind of uh, sexualizing the women who are fighting, even though that they yeah. are um, very technical fighters. So a lot of men yeah. come in for that reason and they watch it for that reason, but then they stay you know they they continue watching it sex cells yeah pretty much yeah um and uh you know they continue watching it because they're very technical fighters and they're like oh actually this is good but the other challenge they face is that both men and women find it harder to watch um a a woman take a beating um and just get her her you know, her face smashed in essentially. A face punched, yeah. Yeah, then they do a man. Like if a man gets a, you know, you watch John Wick and you're like, yeah, hit that guy, you know? Mm -hmm. But if you're watching, uh, if you're watching a woman being beaten up and if you watch um, like there's a, a UFC fighter, Chris Cyborg, and whenever she fights, she absolutely yeah. pounds the women who are yeah, in there. Yeah, she does, like, hence the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and uh, like I'm watching it and I'm like, oh my God, that is, you know, it's, it's absolutely brutal. The, um, the men do that as well. Oh yeah, yeah. And the, the, uh, but and, we're and okay with that. Yeah, and I'm guilty of it. I'll sit there and just go, yeah, kick his ass, go on, you know. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, like I, I find it much harder to watch. Um, mm. you know. Another way I noticed that they sexualized, uh, <laughs> well, UFC is very sexualized anyway. Like you have ring girls, uh, uh, the sort of uh, attractive models who sort of stand around while they're doing weigh-ins and stuff. And I didn't notice it until yesterday that when it's women's UFC fight fighters, they still have women, uh, pretty women hanging around. They don't have pretty men hanging around. Um, and, and and I guess that's because they don't want to put off their audience. They don't want to have sexualized men um, to put off the people, the people, the male, the heterosexual men who, yep. who are watching UFC. Mm. So, yeah. So that's the thing, because like uh, when I used to do um, Krav Maga, um, and I want to get back into it, but like COVID makes it really hard to grapple with people because you're kind of yeah. like, you know, <laughs> um, you can have like a theoretical grappling, uh, you know, uh, bout, I guess, where you'd say, well, I'd do this. Uh, and then it just turns into like a game of DD. Um, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, when I used to do that, there was um, uh, there was a girl there that I used to fight, um, and I had to reach. And I was talking to Alex, uh, Alex Timmerman, about this because uh, we were chatting a few weeks back. Um, and um, yeah, the thing is, I'd have the reach, so I'd be sort of like throwing punches, kicks, whatever, and I'd just be backing off because she would just check it. She would like whatever. She'd like she she'd just take a punch, and then close on me and the yeah. second she closed on me i was finished because she was such a good ground fighter she was shorter than i was but the, the, you know when she took me down it was like a, a like a, a restrictor snake you know i was like oh no i'm, I'm gonna tap i know i am <laughs> <laughs> and you know i'd be able to get out of it sometimes but yeah um and that was the thing it was uh, it, it got me to thinking about how you do have these different sort of competitions with, uh, you know, men versus men, women versus women, largely. And then because Krav Maga, um, it's it's totally against competitions um, in its principle. It's like once you once you start doing competitions, you start restricting what you'll do in order to, you know, uh, win. Yeah, it. and that kind of goes against the essence of what Krav Maga is. Absolutely, yeah, because uh, it's all about, you know, self-defense and killing Nazis. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, but it was in like a Krav Maga class that I was fighting against both men and women. And then obviously mm -hmm. then I was doing HEMA at the same time where I'm fighting against men and women. And it is one of those things where I think about um, where I think about it in a lot of other competitions uh, and in a lot of other martial arts. You're not going to have that opportunity, which is which kind of sucks for everybody, I guess, especially women who want to fight against somebody who might be bigger and stronger than they are, because then mm -hmm. they can really sort of like test the techniques that they've been doing. Oh, everyone's bigger and stronger than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I get. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's, it's big and strong people that struggle to find people to who are big and strong to fight against. It's, it's yeah. Yeah, I, and I, like, because I'm 6'4", so now and again I'll come across... Well, I told you about that, the first fight I had with uh, Michael Nolan from the, the Core Blade Masters. And it, yes. it, was in, it was in Wessex League, and I thought, right, okay, I'm way ahead on points here. I'm going to finish this with a pommel strike. And I got really cocky, and I closed to sort of do the pommel strike. And he was so big, he just, like, he just put his hand on my mask... Right, and I was like, "Oh no!" And he just flung me out of the ring, and I'm like, "I'm so unused to being physically dominated." But the dude is enormous; he's bigger than he has a right to be. Um, and yeah, it was like the Viper and, and the Mountain, you know. I was like, "Oh no, he's gonna kick my teeth out!" And yeah, it's just. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then I come against, uh, like I said, one of the worst beatings I ever took. Actually, right, so the two worst beatings I ever took, and I mean beatings because, like, I was literally so bruised the next day I was walking with a limp. Um, one was from Mariotto, and the other was from my instructor, uh, Marco De Filippo, and yeah. he's, he's about a head shorter than I am, again, and I couldn't... Uh, the only hit I got on him when we were sparring long swords, I managed to hit him on the little finger and he looked at me and because we were in Italy at the time and he went ah bravo and I'm like oh don't pity me right <laughs> absolutely kicked the shit out of me you know um so yeah yeah that reminds me of like when I was fencing my instructor and I and I couldn't hit him and he his name is uh Phil Marshall he he doesn't teach anymore but He's not a big man, but obviously, as I say, everyone is bigger than me. Um, probably weighs less than me, but he can. He was like the, the way someone described him was like he was like smoke. You couldn't hit him. He was there, and then he's not there. You go to hit him, and he's just not there. And I was just getting really frustrated, like I cannot hit this man. And then, and then and I was like, I know you're supposed to be controlled and everything, and I hit him as hard as I could, and I hit him, and I was like, oh my gosh, I actually hit him. And then he took his mask off and I was like, no, I'm going to get a ball of king. And he goes, that was very well controlled. Well done. I was like, oh, I was giving it everything. I was trying to hit you as hard as I could. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> you just feel like a little kid. Terrible. Yeah. Well, I didn't even get that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you got my little finger. Bravo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, that was cool. Uh, and then uh, well, it was really satisfying because last year uh, we'd almost been, the academy had almost been open for uh, a year and then Marco came over um, just, uh, it was just after fight camp. It was an exhausting, uh, absolutely exhausting weekend because I, I went to fight camp. We, uh, we were there for three days. I was teaching. Um, I took part in like every workshop I could. Um, and then we came back and literally the day we came back, we had to move house. Oh um, yeah. So, uh, I moved, uh, we, we, you know, Melissa and I moved from this like shithole we were living in, um, in city Road in Cardiff, um, 
and it was it was awful it's like the worst place i've ever lived but we just come we moved in because we just moved back from italy neither one of us had a job um because i was like okay i'm, I'm finished with teaching um i was teaching english out in, in yeah. italy uh moved into uh the first place we found um you know it was it was fairly cheap and it was awful there's a guy upstairs claimed to be a DJ, but he never went anywhere. He only ever DJed for Melissa and I, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and th th there were a whole host of problems. Anyway, we moved out of there, and literally the same day, Marco was flying in. Um, so uh, Marco and uh, Fabiana, uh, his girlfriend, they flew in, and they stayed with us for a week, and we visited, like, 14 castles in the area, um wow you know, it was you are blessed with castles around there though <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um and you know i i've actually so one of my favorite things to do um is i've got a uh a key to the castle cardiff castle it's just like a card that says oh, i've got one of those <laughs> yeah they're great aren't they uh, <laughs> and i just i like it's a for me because i i'm not big on cities i don't really like cities uh, like i grew up in a kind of like a quiet area so for me i'll go into the castle for a coffee and it's just out of the way and it's like away from the crowds and stuff so that for me is fantastic so yeah we took marco to all these different places and he got to meet my students um and he got like he got to do a demonstration and Kian, who's like my left-hand man, so Melissa's my right-hand woman, and mm -hmm. Kian's my left-hand man. Um, and um, yeah, Kian comes up to me, he's like, bloody hell, he's fast, right? Because um, he just did this demo, and uh, he, like he wasn't really even putting that much effort in as well, which is like the, which is like the crushing thing, is like he went, oh, thank you for letting me land that hit you know, during that demonstration. And I went, yeah, yeah, I, I let I you. I let you. <laughs> <laughs> sure I did. Yeah, 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 no, you're, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was, that was really cool. That was really gratifying as well to sort of get him in and to, you know, to see, uh, to show him what we were, what we were doing uh, here. That was really cool. Because, um, so like Melissa was one of my first students. Um, this was before I even really became an instructor. I was like, okay, I'll teach you the basics. Um, but um, do, do you know how Melissa and I met? I think you told me, I can't, I can't remember. We had a long chat one time. I think you were telling us all about when you were in, how you became instructor in Italy. Or was it in Melissa's AMA? I think she might've mentioned it. I think she told me about she it. Might, I don't though. mind hearing it again. Yeah, no, it's just because um, it, it it's sort of a meet meet cute. Um, I was doing reenactment at the time, and so was she. Uh, I was in Cardiff Castle, and um, they said, "Oh, we're going to do an archery display, right?" And I'd been in a lot of archery displays in the Viking Society. But the thing about the Viking Society is that uh, the bows, you know, they're obviously blunt arrows. Yeah. Um, but the, the bows are 30 pounds, so 30 pound draw weight, and they've got like four uh, flights on them to slow the arrow down. So if they hit you, you know you've been hit, but mm. it's, you know, it's not so bad. Takes the sting out of it. Yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, I see a bunch of guys putting on like armor, you know, chain plate and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, 
I'll be in the archery display. I don't need any of that nonsense. Don't, don't even bloody worry about it. So I go and I get in the archery display and I'm sort of stood there and I'm looking at these guys who are all armored up. And um, anyway, I got my shield and the first arrow hits my shield and it's like, bam! And it's like a battering ram. And I'm like, oh no. I am I'm unprepared. <laughs> yeah, because the poundage was way higher, which I didn't know about. And the the, the flights, there were three flights instead of ah. four. So it hit my, like, anyway, so what happened was, because I was wearing, I was just wearing a helm uh, on, on, on the top with no face protection. Everybody else has, like, you know, full face protection. Full visor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I, like, my, my shield... Um, kind of just started creeping up to cover my face. Right? Yes, it would. But then the next arrow that hits me, bam, hits me in my left testicle, right? And yeah, <laughs> so I hit the deck. And I'm, like the whole audience that's watching, they're laughing, right? They're having a great time. They think it's a setup. It's not. Yeah. Genuine agony. I mean, like, oh, I'm in the no. position. And I, like, I'm there under the shield and I'm like, whoever did that, I'm going to kill them. Like, I'm going to kill that archer. Anyway, so the archer comes over and I look up and it's Melissa, right? And she's like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm lying there trying suddenly to look cool, right? So, yeah, no, I'm cool. Hey, how are you doing? You're, you're all right. I'm, I'm fine, you know? So, yeah, that was, um, uh, that's how I met Melissa. And then I was like, yeah, I'm marrying her. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> She shot you in the bollock. She did. The um, left one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm that both. I mean, I would have thought, nah, nah, actually, <laughs> that was personal, you know? That wasn't enough. No hard feelings. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how that happened. Uh, and obviously, yeah, now we've become a team and we're, you know, doing our thing. But um, so how would you, because, you know, obviously I've talked now about the, the UFC uh, and how they promote certain things and how it can be quite cynical. And uh, I imagine there would be a lot of sort of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Drawbacks in the way that they do that and the way they bring that audience in. How would you promote a HEMA school and its openness and sort of like trying to basically how would you try to get women through the door yeah well when, when i'm thinking about who to who i want to get through the door without any offense to the lovely cis hair white males uh, that i know in hema um yeah. it's ev it's everyone else <laughs> <laughs> so, so like you know uh cis hair white men make up the large majority of any martial art um and you don't have to advertise to them. They mm. will come. They are like zombies after brains. You just sort of mention the words, and then they're coming in. You don't have to advertise. You don't have to advertise to them because they will just show up. Um, you know, you put a sword in a field and they will find it. Um, so my my strategy for um, how to make your HEMA club more open and welcoming and friendly to women, minorities and the LGBT community is to specifically advertise to them because everyone else, the guys, are going to come. It's easy. Mm. It's, it's, quite, it's quite straightforward. Uh, 
I know when someone's starting out at a HEMA club, it can feel like a real uphill battle just trying to get people through the door. I mean, it is going to be really hard now. Mm. Or is it because, you know, people have got all this time on their hands and they want something to do? Um, it might, you know, it might actually work in our favor. But I've, I've written on this before. I've got a little, uh, a little Tumblr article on how to advertise your class to women. And uh, that's my number one thing is just advertise to women. So that means uh, you can have, uh, if you're going to do any promotional material, uh, like people standing around with swords looking cool, make sure they're women standing around looking cool with swords. And I don't mean a kind of like UFC ring girl kind of way, like, uh, or, you know, like advertising this Ferrari kind of way, like, just like there's a person who happens to, you know, have been born with a vagina who's uh, advertised, who's, who's doing this activity. So only show uh, women in your promotional materials. Um, and something I, I initiated when I was working with Mariana in Esfinges, uh, was one year we came up with an initiative called Give a Girl a Sword. And it kind of worked way better than I ever anticipated. I mean, it's still going on now. It's literally just gagas. It's give a girl a sword. I just came up with this idea and I was like, why don't we have a month in the summer or a day in the summer or a week in the summer where we invite the HEMA community, like all the club leaders and say, why don't you run um, a free session like a free lesson for just women and non-binary folks um or basically anyone who doesn't identify as a man um for free um and as i say advertise obviously you're only going to advertise it to women and like you know press it pretty hard and see what happens and what happened was uh clubs all around the world pick this up and they're like we're going to do this we're going to try this and we'll see what happens so the, the 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 incentive the kind of challenge was not given just to like the club leaders but it's like every single member of every club go home grab your mum grab your workmate grab your sister your auntie your daughter whatever and just bring her in and let her have a go let her have a go give her a sword and let her have uh, a lesson see what she thinks um, just and just see what happens and it, it just I think one class that, the one that really stood out for me was in Chile um, and I think it was a club in Santiago a friend of mine she asked her instructor can we do this and they were like oh we won't get anyone it's not worth it and she's like please can we do it they're like okay so they were they sort of did it and uh they were expecting around 10 to 15 people. They had some swords and stuff. It was an all outdoors thing because the weather was good. It was a good time of year. I did. I, I had it in the summer so we could do like outdoorsy things. And they had over a hundred women to, uh, turn up. Yeah. hundred. And there's like pictures of this, like there was, I remember the, the one picture that stood out to me is this lady wearing a baby carrier, holding a long sword, <laughs> going through the poster, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, it's just you know just the enthusiasm it's that enthusiasm you know it's just sort of beneath the surface and all you have to do to women is just say you i give you permission 
I give you permission to do this thing and they'll go who me yes let's go because like <laughs> and because like I remember myself when I first uh went to a HEMA class um it, it was with my ex-husband at the time he was looking for uh, a HEMA class and I, I just I just gave him a lift there I'd um had my son I'd given birth to my son not long before and I sat down in the corner and it didn't even occur to me it didn't even occur to me that I could do this activity I wasn't like mentally saying to myself I can't do this oh I really want to do this but I can't it wasn't even that it was below that it was just like why would I do that but if someone had said to me you should do this thing it's really really good and that is exactly what happened because um I went home to my parents and they said how was it and I started telling them all about this lesson that I'd observed and they were like but you didn't take it and I was like oh no I was just sat in the corner holding the coat you know and they're like you really should you really should you're obviously enthusiastic about it and I was like yeah I am actually aren't I you know so it's just it's just like there's just a hurdle there's like a, just a psychological kind of like this is a boy thing you don't do that you do these things kind of thing and I know that sounds ridiculous because I never kind of grew up being a very what I would consider a very uh, feminine girl I was always into all kinds of nerdy things and it's like you know why why did you why did I place that sort of barrier on myself so basically it's just saying to women like we invite you specifically you not everyone but like you specifically we want you to come and try this thing because we think you really like it so that uh initiative by uh not by the sword uh give a girl a sword really really took off and it's still like people are still doing it all year round they're just running women's only sessions and i remember there was a club in london london historical fencing club they did it they they have i think they were running like um two classes a week and they decided to um run to offer up uh, free classes for women on those two nights instead of their regular students and they got so many people applying that they had to open up an extra night and they ran it for and they just ended up just changing their whole kind of program because they had so many people sign up for HEMA and uh some of them stayed some of them didn't so the idea is like you you may get like you know as I say a hundred women turned up for this event in Santiago and I doubt a hundred stayed but some of them will have stayed some of them will have uh, you know passed the message on to their friends and it just kind of creates a normality it creates a you know it, 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 it what we consider to be normal often in martial arts is a room full of blokes and one girl maybe who comes every now and again mm. but it would it shouldn't it shouldn't be like that it, sh it should be normal to have all women's classes or classes where uh the instructors are women uh or you know uh, i'm not 100 happy with my own school right now we have got gender parity in my chapter i think uh yeah we've got three we've got three and three instructors but in terms of the attendees, it is, is way more male. I, I would like it to be, and I would like more people of colour as well, but I live in leafy, leafy suburbia where um, it is mostly um, nice white people. But, you know, it's, it's not a case of um, people think, oh, everyone is welcome to my school. 
that doesn't work. <laughs> it has to, you have to specifically target the people that you want. And, um, you know, just saying, like I say, having an event for women benefits the school so much because uh, you get all these people coming through the door, which makes you as, a, as an instructor and as a club feel like, oh, my goodness, look at all these like potential newcomers we got. Um, and then some of them stay and you end up with a load more um, members and that's only good for your school and it creates um, more diversity you know you've got you've got different people coming into your school it's not always the same kind of uh, folks um, and it you know the more sort of brain power you throw at your um, you know your your instructor base the, the better you are I, I feel like we've got like six instructors as I say in my chapter and um, it's nice because the students get different inputs different people you know sometimes when you try and learn something from one instructor it doesn't make sense and then you learn the same thing from another instructor the exact same thing told in a slightly different way that you can relate to the information goes in better so it is it's win-win for me um, I'm not I'm not sort of you know banging on this drum just because I think it's unfair it is unfair but I, I genuinely think that having more women um, and non-binary folks and LGBT and minorities in your HEMA club makes your HEMA club a much better place and it, you know at the end of the day the bottom line is you get more members and that's something that everybody wants yeah i think so for a little while we were getting a lot of couples joining hmm. um and i think that's probably because again melissa and i are the face of the academy so we had a lot of couples joining but what i noticed was what was happening was it, it was almost became a daycare center <laughs> the girlfriends were going okay i did this thing with you now i'm gonna leave I'm going to slowly leave. Now we're going to go for Zumba. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back in two hours. I fed him a bunch of M&Ms. He's, you know, he's all your problem now. Um, you know, he's really hyper. He's just had a nap, you know. So, yeah, um, that, that kind of happened. The, um, what you were saying in terms of getting to, you know, getting people from uh, different like cultural backgrounds as well. Uh -huh. The only drawback for me is that I had a bunch of Italians join and all of a sudden I became really conscious of the fact that because I teach Fiore, I was like saying the Italian guard names and I st like I realized that I was starting to mumble them because I didn't <laughs> want to hear my shit pronunciation of the beautiful <laughs> language. So I'm just like, so now you're going to take Master Vigiano, uh, which is the stance of the woman, right? You know, like, so yeah. Um, but I think that's another thing that, again, because it's like I'm in Cardiff, uh, Cardiff University has uh, quite a, you know, quite a diverse, um, you know, group of students. Well, it did up until, you know, uh, the whole COVID thing happened mm -hmm. um, uh, and it probably still does as well um, it's like yeah get them all in and then lock them in their rooms um, <laughs> but uh, yeah you know it, it because it's got like quite a diverse um, group of people coming in we we did have quite a diverse um, you know group of people coming into the you know into class um, but since coming out of lockdown and we've opened up our classes again, 
uh, I think probably because of the stuff that's going on, you know, in their own homes, um, they haven't come back. And I think, you know, I've been in touch and they're like, yeah, I do want to come back, but there's like a lot going on right now. Um, so that's, that's a huge issue. Um, I think, cause I remember, um, Marco, um, you know, he was taking some pictures and it was, he was doing, you know, he was doing what you've advised, which is he was taking pictures and it was, you know, groups of girls from his school. Again, it's largely, um, you know, men, um, in the, in the school, there were, um, Fabiana, his girlfriend, really good fencer actually. Um, but just kind of like riddled with self-doubt. The first time we fought, she like, she put the point of her sword right in my face, um, like snapped my head back. And then I was like, oh, right on. And we carried on fighting and she was really good. And I was like, oh, you know, you're good. And she was like, no, nah, I'm not. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, what does that make me? <laughs> you know? um, but she was just like, it was, it was like, no, no, no. I was just, you know, I, I was just lucky or, you know, or, or yeah. um, but yeah, anyway, I digress. There was, um, you know, he was taking a, you know, he was taking pictures of groups of girls and he was um, posting that. So you had female fences and he was posting that. And I, I think at the time, and it, you know, it is probably a, um, a, a mistake, as you said, promote that as opposed to look we have men and women you know um but i i thought yeah i mean for me i was just worried about uh you know about it coming across as quite cynical as you said like with the panels um with the the fantasy writers when you just get eight you know when it, when it's like th this person is here as a token um not as not necessarily as a representative if that makes mm -hmm. sense yeah yeah so yeah i think that's that's what i was concerned about um and i've i've largely just been lucky with who has come in um and it was more a roll of the dice than the marketing that i've done mm -hmm. um but yeah with the events that you've um that you've run what do you think I mean, how, how do you see them developing? What's like, what, what would you like the outcome to be for things like by the sword? Uh, well, for the, on the event side, um, I, you know, obviously I just want to pick up from where it left off. I mean, in, I'm interested to see where it goes because you, you start a project with a, with a goal in mind and then it becomes something else. And I'll just kind of just like go with it because, you know, I've got my idea about uh, what these things are, but then obviously all you got all those people behind you who are sort of enthusiastic and they want it to happen. They've got their ideas about what it is. Uh, you have to be careful with that as a, as an event organizer I've found over the years. Cause like I'm a big ad advocate for giving people what they want. Um, but also you cannot please everyone. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I'd like to do things that I think benefit the community the most. So, um, things like 
by the sword i think is unique in that it is a women's exclusively for women and non-binary folks i have had like minimal numbers of people complaining about that because it's like every other HEMA event that exists is for men you know so it's it's, it's you know it's only one event that you that you, you can't go to uh, you know you can't get too upset about it and the fact that blokes don't go to it means that a lot of women who would never ever set foot in a HEMA event are only too happy to go um mm. i mean um you can understand it from the perspective of like say let's compare it to uh gym classes you got people who go to a gym and they go and do weights uh or they use the machines or whatever and they are gonna be mostly men um women who do that will have become will have been harassed at least once in their life i think or made to feel uncomfortable um for being in like a space that is very sort of male dominated and i'm not saying i'm not what i'm not saying that women going to hema mixed hema events are going to get sexually harassed all the time however there is that just that level of comfort at an event that you know is only going to be women that just doesn't exist the what the thing i compared it to the the vibe i compared it to was my my hen my hen weekend <laughs> And it's just you, it's just your girls it's just your friends like your close female friends and you, you're not like trying to impress anyone um you don't feel like you have to behave in a certain way and you can just be yourself um you, you, it's you know um a friend of mine uh, the other day she this is in HEMA she she said like she just started doing HEMA not that long ago she just sort of graduated so now she can spar people and there's a guy in her group who is as experienced as she is who feels who's taken it upon himself to mansplain HEMA to her at every opportunity and try and act like an instructor towards her and like give her unsolicited advice unsolicited advice is like the dick pics of conversation yeah. you know? <laughs> it's like did i ask for this no i did not you know yeah. um so you know it's it's things like that um that can happen or it, it, it's just you know it's just a general vibe so like um you know the thing that when i've sort of read reviews of by the sort of the thing that people liked about it was a they made loads of friends and had a good time but mostly it's just the general atmosphere was what sold them it was just like this feels really i can just be myself and i can relax and i don't have to feel worried that i'm getting everything wrong all the time you know yeah. um so yeah where do i see it going um well obviously i didn't expect swords of winter and swords of spring to sprout out of that um i was like jesus don't i have enough events to organize already but i'm glad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, go on then. So I, 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 uh, I initially organised Swords of Spring because a friend of mine was like, "I've got to go to a Hindu and I don't want to go." Talking about Hindu, yeah. Can I, can I come and stay with you instead? I was like, "Yeah, I'll make up an excuse for you. I'll give you a really good alibi. You've got to teach at a HEMA event." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of like, and and it was it was like that was the reason I, I was, that was my uh, sort of motivation to do it. 
but it's it's been um it's a, those those events which are not competition events those two um so compared to everything else that i normally organize i'm normally involved in things like the wessex league and albion cup and stuff like that which are very very competition heavy very uh, uh competition focused mm. uh and i love that community and i and i love competition and i love sort of being a, a part of it and i understand that people don't so it's nice to uh be at the on the other side of, of the coin and look at it from just the workshop perspectives and it's a very different vibe and it's it's just so um it's when you know you've got the sort of a, not aggression but like that when you're in a competition mode you're a different person you're all kind of like i know i've invested in this i'm i've, I've worked hard for this i'm gonna do my best and all that kind of thing whereas yeah. when you go to like a workshoppy classes type event it's just like i'm here to have fun i'm here to learn uh yeah. you know i'm not saying that competition isn't fun it's just it's a different it's just a different <coughs> oh no absolutely yeah uh, it's cooperative versus competitive yeah and you and you you get you still get like uh the camaraderie and the, and the joy and the fun of being with your friends and all the rest of it and bonding with members of the community but it's just it's just a different um energy to the room kind of thing and it's nice for me to be able to offer a platform to instructors uh who may not necessarily uh get one elsewhere um i'm i'm very aware of the privilege i have of being a a, a voice or a, someone who um has you know a little bit of history doing HEMA and, and organizing stuff so that if i if i have the opportunity to say to someone who's uh got the potential uh to become or who is an already an instructor they just haven't taught at an event before i will i will give it to them if i can um because you often find that it's the making of them not just as an instructor but on, on, a, on a sort of personal level that validation does wonders for people just knowing that i can um that someone has asked me to sort of stand in a room full of people and talk about something that i have knowledge of and i'm passionate about i want to do this again kind of thing and i want to get better at it and better at it and i think it's you know on on a sort of personal level is is really good for them and for me so that's an, sort of another sort of benefit i get from, from doing that kind of thing it made me feel warm and fuzzy inside yeah no that's good i don't know if i'm ever going to organize an event personally because i was chatting with matt easton about um fight camp and he was like <laughs> He's like, there, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of workshops I want to take part in. And I went, well, why don't you? And he went, ha, 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 you know, you're very naive. And I was like, I was like oh, okay. And he's like, I don't get to take part in things. I just, no, I, you just go around spinning the plates. Yeah, I was going to say, I was stopping the, the plates from wobbling. So I was yeah. like, oh, screw that. Because I, one of the things that when I go to events, I love going to the workshops and, um, a mate of mine, Sam Aykroyd, uh, we went to the first fight camp together and he was taking the piss out of me because he came back and he found me sat outside of my tent and I was just taking loads of notes. Yeah. Um, and he's like, ha, nerd. But then like six months later, I was like, oh, do you remember that thing we did? And he's like, no. And I'm like, no. oh. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, no, I think it's great. And 
you know, because uh, Melissa was going to uh, run a workshop at Swords of Spring and mm. it would be the first workshop that she would be doing independently because she's helped me with mine. Um, so mm. she's like my partner and, you know, she'll help people uh, out with that. And one of the things that you were saying earlier about getting the different perspectives from um, instructors, I think, again, yeah, because you know i'm i'm quite a big guy so if i say okay you know you're going to do it like this uh and somebody who's shorter than i am says well i don't know how like you know that might not work for me obviously i'm not necessarily thinking about it from their point of view because i've only ever been you know fighting from my point of view oh no you were their size once <laughs> well yeah but i wasn't i probably wasn't doing this you know? yes <laughs> yeah. um so it's good then for Melissa to go over and go, okay, but you know, try doing it slightly different. This way works for me, mm. um, and that's you know that that's how I do it. Um, and so, and she's the lefty as well, which is very useful. <laughs> so many goddamn lefties in the academy that it actually it it sometimes screws you up when you go to fight somebody who's right-handed. Oh know? really? Yeah, yeah. So I'll like uh, so Kian, who I mentioned earlier. Um, uh, my left hand man, left handed, right? Yeah, Melissa, left handed. I've got another guy, George, he's left handed, and I'm just, I'm you know, I'm constantly like, okay, this is how you do it, guys. And then I see these hands just getting raised, going, how do you do it if you're left handed? I'm like, oh, god damn, you know, Ask them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. So I'm like, I oh, just, just experiment with it, get out, get out, <laughs> goddamn lefties. Uh, so yeah, it does. It it it's great when I come across lefties in a tournament, though. I love that yeah. because somebody turns around and goes, "Oh, watch out! You know, watch out! They're they're a lefty," and I'm like, "Oh, thank God! I thought you know, I thought they'd be a good fight for a minute, and then it's yeah. like all of their tricks. I mean, they usually do mess me up still, but all of their tricks yeah. that they're used to kind of like the uh, doing, um, you know, that don't quite work as well because I'm used to it. I'm like, oh, it's that angle. I know that one." Um, so yeah, the only per the only people lefty take fighting is other lefties. Oh yeah, yeah. They absolutely hate it. It's like cats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think again, um, the, the Sam Aykroyd, who I mentioned earlier uh, hmm. from Academy of Historical Fencing, he's a left-hander, and uh, whenever Kian fights him, he just comes away like scratching his head, going, "I I, I don't know what went wrong." And I'm like, "He's a lefty. You're a lefty." You know, and it's the same with Melissa. Like she fights another lefty, and she's like, "I, I, I just, I, I, you know, it doesn't compute." <laughs> what used to this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, that's cool. Bloody lefties, bane of my existence. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, she was looking forward to that. Obviously, it fell through. COVID's, COVID's a thing. It's a yeah. It's, well, we're gonna. We'll hopefully we'll have it in the spring mm. next yeah. year. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can't last, can it? You know. Well, did Boris say this morning? He said hopefully, lock, hopefully we won't have to do social distancing by October twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, the social distancing thing. I don't mind so much because I'm a bit of a misanthrope anyway. You know. Yeah. Quite liked that at the start when there were like no people around. And yeah, you know, it was, it was um, nice. Yeah, that's I'm fine with that. It's um, 
it's mainly the the mask wearing because i was in a like i was in a shop the other day and i stepped out of somebody's way um and they said thank you but it came through the way they said it it, it, it just looked it, it looked like they looked at me like fuck you right <laughs> like, you <know> what? <laughs> I, was, I was being nice fuck you yeah exactly <laughs> Well, that's the thing that messes me. I'm like, you want to go? <laughs> Come on, then. Yeah. <laughs> this has been absolutely lovely. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, where can people find me online? I'm on Instagram as, uh, well, I'm Fran, uh, Fran Laquata, at Fran Laquata. Uh, but my sort of main uh, place you can find me is... Um, by the sword and the, the Instagram tag for that is at sword women. Uh, we, our website is by the sword.net. Um, and, uh, my next sort of project, um, is to turn these series of videos into, uh, is to polish them up and turn them into proper podcasts so that they'll be available to more people because not everyone has Instagram. Not everyone has the time to sit down there and play a video. You know, you want to go to work or whatever, or do you peel your potatoes while listening to a podcast? You can do so. So that's the next thing I'm going to set in motion, I think. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Um, because for me, there have been a couple of times where it's, it's come on and I've seen that you're doing a video and it's yeah. just like the worst time for me because I'm like I'm I'm doing something I can't like watch it um, yeah. or like sort of listen to it. Um, so I'd like that. That for me would be great. Yeah, um, more convenient. Yeah, yeah. I love podcasts. It's why I'm doing this. <laughs> oh yeah, podcasts are the new new blogging, aren't they? Yeah, I never had like I tried blogging. Um, I just, you know, I don't have anything to write about. You know, <laughs> so yeah. 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 Um, plus, you got to keep it up. It's it's effort. I get distracted. You know, this is nice because you just have a chat and then you throw just it chatting out. with your mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and that's grand. Um, you know, I I was talking. So the the second one of these I did was with uh, my mate Alex Timmerman from Crack and Swords, and it was three hours. I had to cut it in half because it was three hours. We kept saying, okay, let's leave it there. And then he pulled out this, yeah, he pulled out like an Aureus longsword and he's like, hey, you should get one of these, right? <laughs> I, like, I really should, shouldn't I? I like, you know, so, um, he's, he spent about half an hour showing it to me on the camera and just going, look at the pommel, look at the finish. Like, you know. Like, Sword like, pawn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it really was. Um, Web webcam boys. <laughs> yeah. and um so melissa and i have this uh have this um deal which is i've got to get my driving license before i'm allowed to buy myself a new sword um and because after the one year anniversary of the academy opening my students got me a side sword uh, i know it was it was wonderful um i was really happy with it and then my grandfather's, um, he's moving out of his house and he's an antiques collector. So he's just been giving me sabers and like different stuff. He's like, here, have this, you know, oh, wow. 
have this sword and i'm like oh thanks man you know yeah sure <laughs> um so up until now i just haven't bothered getting my license because i'm like well it's raining swords you know? yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, i could leave it but then i saw this aurea sword and i was like oh you know not since melissa shot me in the testicles you know, have i felt so in love so like now I've got to get this. Now I'm going to get a friggin' license so I can get this sword. Oh dear. Yeah. So uh, that's. There's uh, motivation for you. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, it was three hours long. It was just a chat with a mate, and you know, I throw it up online. Um, I'm not polishing them very much because I'm no mm. good at it. I'm not good at editing stuff, so I'm just like, ah, oh, that'll do. But you know, you can have it um nobody anybody who's known me for like more than about an hour knows that i'm not really that professional um so yeah like uh at bucklathon which is one of the other events that you've organized i just had a fight with sasha and it was a good fight um uh alexander makarov um mm -hmm who's listening um yeah we just had a fight and um we hadn't i think we'd fought maybe once before but we hadn't really fought in a very like um very competitive way before uh and i think he it was the first time we fought in that competition he managed to beat me by one point and it was like i almost had him kind of thing so he came over and i think that he was hoping for like a, a serious conversation about fencing but I was like, no, no, no. And I was arguing with him about the uh, the pronunciation of uh, Kvitan or Kvitan or whatever. I was like, no, it's Kvitan, right? And he's like, no, I, I, I know this. It's my language. And I was telling him off. And I'm like, no, it's I know how to pronounce it. And eventually he just went, okay, this guy's an idiot. I'm leaving. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. and then anybody who's known me for like more than five minutes knows I'm like, I don't know not professional so i don't think anybody who's listening to this is expecting much polish so that's that's fine that's fine by me i yeah. I, I, I mean when, when i say i'm gonna polish up my audio from my interviews it's gonna be just getting rid of as many of that can you hear me you there? <laughs> yeah. all right bye 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 and the, yeah oh, you're breaking up oh i can't hear you all that stuff but everything else can stay it's uh because I always yeah. have a long, I always have a long pause at the beginning of the AMAs because it's, I have to get, you have to go live and then you have to wait for the people to join and you're sort of sit, sitting there staring at the camera. And it's partly why I've got so many different pairs of glasses so that everyone can get, see a different pair of glasses each time yeah. I come on. <laughs> I had but noticed, yeah, I was, was going to comment on it and then I'm like, I, I keep doing this thing where I'm commenting on something visual, even though that it's going to be a podcast. <laughs> and so people are like oh no I, I need to i need to see fran's glasses so. well if you go to the instagram you can see all my glasses yeah, all 22 of them <laughs> <laughs> all right this has been awesome thank you so much um yeah, you lovely to see you. doing this in a couple of months absolutely yeah awesome excellent yeah. all right thank you so much thank you thanks for inviting me if you want to find out more about historical European martial arts, visit www.academyofsteel.com or look for us on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook or you can shoot us over a question at info at academyofsteel.com.